Well, good morning, Crossing. You know, as you saw up there, you know, this, we're, this morning we're diving into our brand new series called You've Got Style. And as you can tell by looking at me, I have impeccable style. You're not supposed to laugh at that. I mean, I really feel like that. I, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I say, Barry, you're a stylish dude. Other people at the Crossing need to dress like you. Do their hair like you, thanks to Rhonda. Rhonda fixes my hair and makes it beautiful. Now you're not laughing. You're not helping me at all. You know, Jim, you're the only one I could see right now, so you're supposed to be looking at me going, oh, I know you want me to shave my head so I can look like you. That, that style right there. G, GQ Magazine calls me at least once a month. They do, they really do. They usually say, hey, could you please never, ever be on our magazine cover? No, so, so when it comes to style, it can refer to fashion, it can refer to art, it can refer to writing or mad, mad skills in some kind of sport, but style refers to the way an individual expresses himself, and we all have style. What we're going to be looking at in the next four weeks is our personal style in drawing near to God. And just like our fashion style or our communication style, we will discover that each of us has a unique and fresh way of connecting to God. Growing up in a traditional church, there was one correct way to connect with God. You remember? The daily quiet time. The daily quiet time, right? There were classes and seminars on how to have an effective quiet time with God. Every youth pastor in the 90s would teach a lesson on how to have a quiet time at least two times a year. And the basics were like this. Get yourself a good, easy-to-read version of the Bible. Get yourself a notebook. Get yourself a pen. Get yourself a private location. And it should be in the morning. If you want to have an effective quiet time, it has to be in the morning. And there was even a verse that we would use to justify telling people they had to have a quiet time in the morning. And that was the only method with connecting with God. And that was in Mark 135. There it is. Very early in the morning while... It was still dark. Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Now my assumption about most people when it comes to their relationship with God and specifically their devotional habits is that most people feel like a failure in this area. My hunch is that most of you, when you hear people talk about reading their Bible, when you hear people talk about journaling their prayers, when you hear them talk about praying, some of those spiritual things you think, man, I am no good at that. Honestly, I'm not even sure I'll ever be good at that. And you live with this sense that when it comes to your spiritual life, you live with the idea that you're just a disappointment to God. And God looks at you and says, how long am I going to have to put up with this one? Are they ever going to get it right? And can I be honest with you this morning? The getting up early in the morning to have a quiet time to connect with God has frustrated me so much over the last 30 years of my Christianity. I mean, it is a good style if you're a morning person, if you like to read, if you like to journal, if you enjoy routine if you can function in the morning. But I found myself evaluating 
my entire relationship with Jesus based on whether I had a good morning quiet time or not, and that's not healthy. And if you evaluate your entire relationship with Jesus based on whether you have a good morning quiet time, that is not healthy. Not at all. And if that's you, and I genuinely believe that's about 90% of the room today, if that's you, I'm so glad you're here today because I believe that what we're going to talk about in the next four weeks will be an absolute game changer in your life. I genuinely believe that over the next few weeks, your relationship with God will begin moving in a new direction which could change the quality of your relationship with God for the rest of your life. That sense that we have of God's displeasure, that sense of disappointment, that sense of you're not cutting it in terms of your relationship with God, I believe that that could change, and I believe that we're going to talk, what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks will be a part of that change. So I hope you'll make it a priority to be here over the next few weeks. I hope you'll take some good notes. I hope you'll go back during the week and maybe even re-watch or re-listen to these messages, and I hope you'll discuss it with some people, because I think this can make a huge difference in your life. So I want to give you some context as to why connecting to God is so important. And you may be thinking, well, you know, we are believers. We are Jesus followers. We already know that connecting to God is important. But I want to lay down the context just in case that we have sort of gotten so used to doing things the way we do things that we've forgotten why it's amazing to connect with God. And I, so I'm going to give you the entire story of the Bible in just a few hours. In a few seconds, actually. If you open up the very first two chapters of Scripture and go to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, you see that God made things literally perfect. An unfortunate thing happens in Genesis chapter 3 because in Genesis chapter 3, humanity decides to rebel against God and they say they want their freedom and what we want matters most to us. And at that point in time, humanity catches a disease and that disease that we catch makes us selfish and it makes us inconsiderate and it makes us rebel against the rules. And that disease, as you know, is called sin. And as you read through the pages of Scripture, you'll see the impact that sin had on the entire creation. Every single part of our lives. But the good news is, is that God loves you and he loves me so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world and put all the punishment of that disease on to his son. And Jesus died willingly on the cross and paid the price fully and killed that disease. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And if you rely on and cling to and trust in Jesus, he'll take all of that away from you and he'll give you a brand new life, an eternal life. That is the storyline of the entire Bible. And there's this idea included in the scripture that is key and foundational for this series. And it comes out of 1 Timothy 2.5. There we go. There is only one God and there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. There is only one God and there is only one mediator who can reconcile God and man, Christ Jesus. Jesus came into this world to create a relationship between us and God because sin broke that relationship. You get that, right? 
Sin broke that relationship. And God wants to invite us into a relationship with Him. And most of you, and most of what you see in the rest of the New Testament is leading us in that direction. If we look at James 4.8, we see these powerful and insightful words. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words to people who had already put their trust in Jesus. They were already Jesus followers, but the invitation now was to come into a closer, more intimate, more meaningful relationship. And so that's the invitation from God to you and from God to me, and that's what this series is all about. And we're going to help you discover something that's going to help you grow closer in your relationship with God and closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If I could describe the world that we're living in currently with one word, it would be precarious. And the definition of precarious is not securely held in position. Dangerously likely to fall or collapse. Don't you think that describes our world right now? We're just teetering on the edge. And I know that's not encouraging to hear. But God was not caught off guard by what's happening in the world today. You do understand that, right? God knew it was coming. God was not surprised. God is absolutely still on the throne. So listen to this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 Right now, at this point in America, in 2020, we need to draw near to God more than ever before. Would you agree with that? We need to draw near to God. We do not need to cower in fear. We do not need to hide ourselves in the basements of our life. We need to draw near to God more than ever. And if we allow ourselves to become discouraged and fearful during these uncertain days, we will suffer. This series is very relevant right now because we want you to connect with God and we want you in, to enter into this sweet fellowship with Him so that we can stand strong and so that we can stand firm. So as we move on to your personal style of connection with God, be prepared this morning to have some aha moments. You will hear some things that will light up your soul. You will say, I had no idea that God was okay with that way of connecting with him. I had no idea. Man, I am so glad that I came this morning. Now, some of the styles, to be frank, honestly, they're going to sound really stupid. Like, oh my gosh, who would do that? That didn't make any sense. But see, that's the beauty of this. We are all wired differently. One of the things that we're hoping that comes from this is an increased mutual appreciation for the different ways that people are wired. My hope is that this will be a lens through which we can begin understanding more of who has God made us to be.
And we're going to investigate some different and interesting styles of connecting with God. And my hope is that you discover yourself in one of them. God's people need to grasp that there's not just one way to be a spiritual person. You get that? There's not just one way. I want to walk us through these styles. And if you're a note taker, you may want to jot some of these things down. Now, disclaimer, these styles of worship, these styles of connection are not to be a replacement for gathering together on Sunday morning with other like-minded believers. God still desires that we gather together as believers. You get that, right? So these styles, I don't want you to look at it and say, yep, that's my style. I'm never going back to the crossing again. I don't want that to happen. But these styles that I'm going to discuss may be your personal style. And you may already know it. You may have already figured it out. But some of you may be going, you mean God's okay with that? You mean God is okay with me not having a morning quiet time? Oh my goodness, some of you are sweating right now because I said out loud, it's okay not to have a morning quiet time. Do you hear me? It's okay to not have a morning quiet time. It's okay to connect with God the way that He wired you. Some of you, that's going to set you free. Some of you, that's going to cause you to struggle just a little bit until you figure out what I'm talking about. So let's go ahead and talk about these styles. And the first one, some of you probably already know this about yourself, but I'm trying, I promise. The naturalist. The naturalist experiences and worships God outdoors. The naturalist is that person that loves God through nature. They are the people that are just absolutely blown away by creation. They're the people that every Nebraska sunset, every Nebraska sunrise just blows them away and they praise God for it. They like being out when the thunder and lightning is going on, not because they like the light show, but they just say, man, that thunder and that lightning just reminds me of the majesty of God. And being outside and being in nature is a worship experience for them. And the best place for them to spend time alone with God is up on the side of a hill, out in the woods, or with their feet in a stream somewhere where they feel more connected to God. There's an awesome verse in Romans 1.20 that says, Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature. God has been communicating through creation since the beginning. He's been communicating through creation what He is like. And some of you have this wiring in you that when you're outside and when you're in creation, that's the most worshipful thing that you can do. And God reveals Himself through creation. And you're thinking, I hear God's voice the loudest when I'm outside. And if that's a part of who you are, if that's a part of your wiring, let me tell you, If you're not regularly getting outside to spend time with God, then you are stunting your spiritual growth. So the naturalist. The next style we want to talk about is the sensate. Now some of you, when you heard that, because when I heard it was thinking karate and all, but no, I didn't say sensei. I said sensate. A sensate worships God and loves God and experiences God through their senses, through their sight and their sound and their touch and their smell and their taste. 
And this is a little bit unique. Most of you haven't even thought about this category before. These are the people that love God through their senses. They worship through all of their senses. And their senses become a worship experience for them. These are the people that are drawn to beauty. They're often drawn to art. And many of these people enjoy communion when we have communion. Because communion is like a tactile experience They might be the people who want to burn some incense or burn some candles or something like that when they're spending time with God. And I I would say if this is part of your wiring, then where and how you spend time with God is very, very important. The one thing that could help you draw close to God is being intentional about where and how you spend time with God if you're a sin state. This could also be one of the reasons why you get easily distracted in your time with God Because if you're not really paying attention to putting yourself in the right setting, then that's going to allow your heart and your mind to be distracted. But if you have the right setting and you have the right experience going on, then your heart and mind can be connected to God. And you need to do those things so that He can gain your attention and the things around you won't gain your attention. So we had the naturalist and the sensate and the next style is the traditionalist. Some of you are traditionalists. I know that already by knowing who you are. Traditionalists like to show their love for God through ritual and symbolism. They enjoy reading and using books that have written prayers like the Book of Common Prayer. And some of you are like, wait a minute. I don't want to read a written prayer. That's not from my heart. That's some other man or woman's writing. I'm not going to do that. How many of you have ever prayed the Psalms back to God? Like Psalms 51. I have. Created me a new heart, O God. Renewing me a right spirit. See, that's what that's talking about. They enjoy reading and using prayers. And did you know, listen, it is absolutely okay to read a prayer from a book. It's your heart connection to God that matters. It's the motivation and the position of your heart that matters. For many people, we feel like tradition is weighing us down and holding us back. And why can't we just move on and do something fun and fresh and new and exciting? But for many people, this is a part of who God has made them to be. And they're not going to experience the fullness and the intimacy of their relationship with God if they don't embrace some tradition. So we have the naturalist, we have the sensate, and we have the traditionalist. Then we have the ascetics who love and experience God through solitude and simplicity. These are the people who feel closest to God when they are super far away from distraction. They want a calm, simple, quiet place to worship God. And if you're wired that way, and you do not find time to get away and go somewhere where there's no cars, no horns, no trains, No cell phones, no radios, no TV, no kids, no dogs, no cats. Then you're doing yourself a disservice. If you are an ascetic, you need to have silence and solitude. Plan it into your life. And then we have the activist. Who love and experience God through justice and action. These are the people who want to roll up their sleeves and go do battle with evil. 
The activists love God through fighting for godly principles. These are the people that are like, Barry, look, 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 I appreciate the sermon. I'm glad for the songs, John. Can we actually do something for a change? Can we actually go help some people? And these are the people who want to fight for these principles of racism and human slavery and abortion. And they drive people crazy because they're always like, let's do something about this. Let's do something about this. A word of warning to the activist. If you're that roll up your sleeves kind of guy, here's a warning to you. If you get so wrapped up in social justice and activism that your passion for God's word suffers, then you may need to take a breath and refocus. But activism, it's okay to love and worship God through activism. And then we have the caregivers. I don't really know what's going on up here, but this does not say caregivers. It does back there, but it doesn't here, so you're going to have to listen to me really well. The caregivers, they're some of the people that you want to know. They, they want to know when you're sick. They want to know when there's things in your life that need taken care of. They're actually the people who want to take care of you. They're going to help make some food for you. They're going to help mow your grass. They're not just nice people. They just love helping people. Listen to this, for example. Jesus was teaching one time, and Jesus said, Hey, when I was sick, you took care of me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came and you visited me. And when I didn't have any clothes, you gave me some clothes. And his disciples were like, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about? You've never been in prison. You've never been hungry. You've never been naked, except that time when you took a shower. I don't understand. But whatever you do, Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do, not, you do for me. And caregivers have this understanding that when they're serving people, they're not just serving people, they're serving Jesus. And then we have the next style, which is the enthusiast. I'm going to keep... Huh. Thank you. The enthusiast. They're, this is the exciting one. They love God through mystery and celebration. These people are not very hard to find typically in the crossing because I can tell you both their hands are up. Right? You already know who they are. You can name about three women in our church that this is their thing, right? One of them is my wife. And they're excited. And they're singing louder than anyone else around them, right? And however loud the service is, they're singing louder. And usually they're sitting right next to you. But this is part of how God has designed them to be. And it's awesome See, for enthusiasts, worship and worship music isn't something that they like. It's something that they need. It's truly, in which, it's truly a way in which they encounter God. They experience God's presence. They literally cannot understand how some of you have the ability to stand here on Sunday mornings and go, Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. They don't understand that. They're thinking, Jesus needs to set your arms free. Jesus needs to set your feet free. And he definitely needs to set your face free. Yeah. So that's the enthusiast. All right. And then there's style number eight. The contemplative the contemplatives love God through adoration. My wife is also a contemplative. Honestly, 
We don't have to spend a lot, time, a lot of time on the idea of contemplatives because contemplatives kind of function in the stream and most of us understand what it means to spend time with God. They're the people who actually enjoy just being alone in God's presence and they need time to be with God because they enjoy that. That doesn't mean they're more godly. It just means they're wired that way. They like the morning quiet time. They like getting up early and fixing their coffee and opening God's Word and praying for an hour in the morning before the sun comes up. So if you're here and you're a mom with three or four kids and you're a contemplative, I'm sorry. Because you're probably going to need to get up hours before everybody else is even stirring. And find a place where you can be alone and really spend time with God because you need that space. That's a contemplative. And then we have the intellectuals. These folks love God through their mind and through understanding. It's actually one of my styles. This is one of the styles that I connect with God. If you're a fellow intellectual, chances are you got a stack of books beside your bed or somewhere, just a stack of books where you just love studying God's Word. When you read a word, you want to know what it means in the Greek. You want to know what it means in the Hebrew. You want to know the entomology of that word. You want to know every single bit of it. And you're probably a huge podcast person too. You come on Sunday, you come to the crossing, you hear Eric preach and You've got three other messages, maybe even seven other messages you listen to each, each week as well. You are an intellectual. These styles, these styles, these nine styles we talked about, did you find yourself in any of them at all? And it's okay if you're the person who likes having that morning quiet time. If that's what you're all about, then that's good. If that's, if that's what's been built into you since you were a young one, and that's how you connect to God, then that is absolutely fine. But I am telling you that if that doesn't work for you, and you've been walking around feeling guilty because of that, then you can absolutely be okay with spending God, spending time with God, in one of these styles. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually give you a link, hopefully, to a spiritual style assessment. And you can go to this link and you can take a little test and it will actually help you discover what your spiritual style is. So you can take a picture of that or you can wait, because at 12.30 today, every single person in our database is going to get a text with that link. And that way you can go ahead and take that spiritual assessment. And I want you to text me, or I want you to find me next Sunday and say, hey, I took that spiritual style assessment test, and this is who I am. I didn't even know I was. This is amazing. And it's going to help you understand that you're, the way God wired you, the way God made you, is perfectly okay. Haven't you noticed at the crossing that we're all just a little bit different from one another? I mean, we have a, we have a cowboy rancher preacher who used to wear nothing but boots, but all of a sudden he's getting into chacos, which confuses me and sort of bothers me just a little bit. I haven't figured that out yet. 
Some of you are like, what are chacos? Those are those weird sandals that let all these uh, hipsters wear. Um, and then we have people like Rhonda with beautiful tattoos everywhere. Purple hair, blue hair, green hair, red hair, white hair. And, and the thing is, is this cowboy preacher and this tattooed beauty can be friends. Haven't you noticed the crossing is that kind of church? Haven't we figured it out? So if we have all these different styles in our clothing and, and, and our choice of body art or no body art or chacos or boots or tennis shoes or, or whatever, then doesn't it just make sense that we're going to have different worship styles? Doesn't that just make sense a little bit? Spirituality is not a one-size-fits-all experience. Each one of us has our very own God connection style. And that's where we're going to be going this next four weeks. Talking about these things. Discovering these things. Getting excited about these things. So crossing, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much that you are the God of individuality. Thank you that you are a God that has created us to all be different, and that's okay. So, Father, I pray as we investigate our worship styles, as we investigate the way that we connect with you, that we will come alive as we discover that you're okay with us worshiping you in a way that connects with how we're wired. We love you, we thank you, and we expect you to do amazing, powerful, exciting things through this series. And Father, as this last song plays, I pray that if there's someone here who has never had the freedom to be an enthusiast before, if they want to throw up their hands, let them be to do that. But if there's people here that just want to sit and contemplate what the song means, that's okay too. If you want to doodle and draw a picture that comes to your mind as you hear this song, that's okay too. We, God, are all wired to worship you differently. Thank you for setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you have any idea where Pastor Eric is? No. Nope. Not <laughs> a bit. I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Well, so this morning, I actually honestly have really enjoyed this um, well, message, uh, the teaching on different, different styles of how to connect with God, because I think this is something that we've actually really missed. And if you missed our podcast, yeah. there is a section of it where we talk about how there isn't just one way to worship or connect with God. And so if you've missed our podcast, it's called Coffee with the Crossing. You can listen to it on Spotify, the podcast app. Um, there are several other places. That I have no idea where they yeah, are. Yeah, several other places. So make sure you listen to that. But also, so your personal... Um, style of how to connect with God. I think I want to relate this to the message series that we just went through, how not to be your own worst enemy. How can these um, worship styles play into the narratives that we tell ourselves and how can we use these to better, um, I don't know, influence our own minds and how to relate to people and to relate to God? Right. I mean, 
you know, when, when we are not connecting with God, uh, whether it be through being a naturalist or any of the other ones that I mentioned in the message, you know, it actually drags us down a little bit. And then we start listening to those false narratives. We start listening to the you're a nobody, uh, you're not spiritual, God doesn't love you, uh, you know, all those different things. So when you learn your own spiritual worship style and you realize that, hey, this is how God made me, then you can actually connect to God in that way. And those false narratives start to be erased you know, as you connect with God, because God is saying things to you like, you are my beloved, you are my masterpiece, you are awesome, you yeah. are, you know, so it's being replaced. The false narratives are being replaced with positive narratives. So knowing your style, oh my goodness, it can set you free to do a some crazy things for God. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's And that's exactly what we want. And so I did take the test this morning and I'm not an activist, so I don't want you to get confused, but all of the activists out there will get behind me in this next question. How can we use this to launch the church forward to be the most influential part of our culture? Because right now there's a lot of activism going on fighting racism, right. fighting sex trafficking, fighting all sorts of social injustices. And the church honestly is falling behind. So how can we use this to launch the church to be the leader in our culture? Well, first it requires education. People need to understand some facts about the things that are going on instead of just mm -hmm. assuming certain things. You know, and, and one of the things that I've seen the church do in the past, not necessarily the crossing, but the church, is we attack people that are pro-abortion. We attack people oh, that are involved yeah. in those kind of things when actually the way that Jesus said that we're going to affect those people, the way that Jesus said we're going to connect with those people is to love them. And that's not easy. It's hard. But the right. reality is the way that we can leap into activism and actually set the world on fire for Jesus Christ is to go out there instead of battling one another, we are loving them. And in the midst of the, the, midst of the love that we're showing them, they they realize that there is hope that they just haven't discovered it yet. So I believe that we just need to go back to that one commandment that Jesus taught us. What does love require of, of us in this situation? What does love require of us? That's an excellent question. And very last question that I have for you, I want to connect with people. Right. So how can we, when we learn the style of worship that we have, how can we use that to better connect with other people who have a different style of worship than we do? That's a tough one, actually, but, <laughs> yeah. but because we don't do it very well. Right. You know, we, we've, we've all grown up thinking there's only one or two certain ways to connect with Jesus. And when a caregiver realizes that that's how God's wired them and they run into somebody who's a naturalist and they know each other's different styles, then what they can do is they can complement one another mm -hmm. instead of battle one another. Um, you know, you're not going to get a caregiver to go out in the woods and worship <laughs> yeah. Jesus with you. And you're right. not going to get a naturalist mostly to, you know, to be on a caregiving team at the church. But when we know each other's specific strengths, then we allow people to operate in those strengths. Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. So crossing, find your strengths. That yeah. is a very important tool to have and a way that you can learn that God might maybe has wired you and you can lead in that area in the influence that you have with around that's the right. people. So that's awesome. I love, I love this message and pointing out that people are different. And that's unique and that's awesome that we are different. I love that about everyone. It takes all kinds to make the world go that's round. Right. So thank you for the message you. today, Barry. And thank you all for joining us. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.